Let's get ready to study God's Word. Greetings to one and all. Welcome to another episode of Rightly Divide the Word of Truth. This is Andrew S. Baker, and today's devotional study is entitled, Remember Lot's Wife. Please be sure to visit our podcast page, biblestudy.asbzone.com, where you can find links to our Bible study resources, our previous episodes, and much, much more. Our verse for this study is found in Luke chapter 17, verses 32 and 33. Remember Lot's wife. Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Luke 17, 32 and 33. Before we get into this study, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again for the privilege of studying from your word We invite your presence to be with us, give us wisdom and understanding, and help us to rightly divide your words of truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember Lot's wife. This is probably the second shortest thing that Jesus said, at least as it is recorded as a verse. Um, The shortest verse in the Bible is understood to be Jesus wept. That's in the book of John. But here we have what is probably the second shortest verse. Uh, at least in the Gospels, and it's remember Lot's wife. Now, how do we get to this story? Where, Where does this come from? One of the things that I have noticed over the years is our tendency to study Bible truth in the same way each time until we lose sight of the context and the perspective under which something was said. And so even things that are very important we get limited to a very narrow perspective of those things because the background behind it or other things that accompanied it or the other elements of context are forgotten. And I'm not talking about context from the perspective of, oh, this was probably said to a certain group of people, therefore that's all that matters. This was said at a particular time. That's all that matters. No, it's not. Uh, Context can be used to narrow something, but it can be used to broaden. And a Bible student should want to attempt to broaden it as much as possible. Because at the very least, even if a particular truth, as it is outlined, does not have complete relevance to you at that moment, its principle does. Okay, its principle does. As an example, there are things that you'll see in the Bible about being a shepherd that will not have a direct application for most of us, but it will have a principled application. And so we shouldn't just discard things that can't be used directly in the way that they are presented to us. Okay. Remember Lot's wife. In Luke 17, you'll find that Jesus was having a number of discussions, okay? In the scriptures, 
the way that chapters and verses are divided, while I'm certain that God has a hand in it, they are not, um, we don't tend to see them as directly inspired. Okay? But I wouldn't give the suggestion or the impression that God is just totally cavalier about the Bible other than making sure that the people were inspired to write the words and then it doesn't matter how anything else plays out. But punctuation, alignment, and where verses start, and in some cases chapters, there's nothing that leads us to believe that those were specifically inspired such that you can never interpret them in a different way than, than they show up. Sometimes when I look at chapters, I can see that there are lots of different things that are covered in the same chapter. And sometimes when you look at chapters, it's very neat and tidy and everything is all together. Let me give you an example. In Luke 17, we start with Jesus talking to the disciples about something. And you'd have to go all the way back to Luke 16 to see that Luke 17 is kind of a continuation of where he was going with these parables and he's, he's instructing them. Okay. So he's instructing them about some things. The apostles say to him, increase our faith. He speaks about faith. He gives another parable in Luke 17, 7. And then it says in Luke 17, 11, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Now, if I were the one writing the Bible, I would have started a new chapter here. This seems like something you'd want to break off into a new chapter. It's not like that in the Bible. There's nothing wrong with it being not like that. I can be sometimes very picky about that sort of thing on a personal level. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not trying to criticize the Bible for that. But I'm just pointing out that when you look at it for yourself, you can see that the things that came before, while important, are not connected to the thing that comes now, not directly connected. Okay, so here we are in Luke 11. Uh, Jesus, as he goes back to Jerusalem, he passes through Samaria and Galilee. He enters a certain village. There's some lepers. He heals them. Right. He heals them. And then he's confronted by the Pharisees, starting in 17, verse 20. So obviously, this is not during that same trip, because they wouldn't have been in Samaria, the Pharisees, that is. But they inquired of him when the kingdom of God should come. Luke 17, 20 begins the area of context for the specific things that Christ is about to say here. Right? Those other things are also important, but here they're more intimately tied together. There's a little bit more uh, relevance. Start at verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Now, that's an interesting statement. He says here in this statement, you're not going to see the kingdom of God. It's not something that you can say, oh, look, it's coming. Oh, look, it's here. And you wonder to yourself, why would he say that when the second coming is going to be visible and this and that and the other? Okay, 
Yes, this is true. This is true. And I haven't forgotten our title, which is Remember Lot's Wife. Yes, this is true. But remember, importantly, that before the kingdom of God can come, God's people must be ready. So while Christ answers in this specific verse that the kingdom of God does not come with observation, what he's really pointing out is until the kingdom of God is manifest in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory, then there's no coming, right? The second coming occurs after the, the air of the, the corn is ripe. Right? The grain is ripe. The corn is ripe. When the grain is ripe, if you remember in Revelation 14, the son, someone like unto the Son of Man is sitting on a cloud. An angel comes out of the temple and says to him, put in your sickle for the harvest is ripe. It's ready to reap. Okay? So, the kingdom of God cannot come until the people of God are ready. Now, you want to be careful with how you extrapolate that statement. Um, will not, I will not get into it in this message. I'll probably do a separate one. I have spoken about it before. But the general sense is that the people of God, those who are the elect of God, will be ready for the coming. And so Christ is here answering and saying, you're looking for this thing to manifest itself externally. It must be internal first. Verse 22. Now he talks to his disciples. And he said unto, this, and he said unto the disciples, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say unto you, see here or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the one part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first must he suffer many things and be rejected of this generation. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Okay, pause here a second. So he says to the disciples, the days will come when you'll desire to see one of these days and you're not going to see it. And then they're going to they're going to say to you. See, he's there, he's here, he's there. Don't don't fall for that. OK, don't fall for that. And then he explains. Right. Just before, remember, in verse 20, he said it doesn't come with observation. In verse 24, he says, as the lightning that lighteneth out of one part under heaven shineth unto the other, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. So, to the Pharisees, he's answering, the kingdom of God comes first in the heart. And once that is manifest, then all the external stuff comes into play. To the disciples, he points out, don't make people fool you by saying that the Son of Man is here or there. When the Son of Man does make a visible manifestation, everybody will see that manifestation for his or herself. Okay. And now we're talking about the days of Noah. As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered in the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. 
So they continued living life right up until the, the destruction began. Likewise, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so let's take an opportunity to notice a couple of things. The things that Christ is mentioning are not in and of themselves bad things. They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage, right? Unless you read married wives as polygamy, which is possible, but none of the other things are automatically bad. They ate, they drank, they married, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah went into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Christ is illustrating something important, which is, on the one hand, there are signs that God has given us, that Christ gave the disciples, that God has given us in his word all throughout, that portend to the coming of Christ. There are signs, there are things that are happening in the earth that are worse than before. There are trends, there are, there are um, trajectories. But at the same time, things are still happening. People are still buying, people are still selling. We sit here in the midst of a pandemic. But during this pandemic, while some people were losing jobs and homes and, and life, other people were making money hand over fist. Things were still happening. Okay, the rich got richer, the poor got poorer, the sick got worse off, in some cases death. Um, and in, in some cases, even the healthy ran into problems. But life went on. For all the complaints about, oh, we can't do this and can't do that and can't do the other, life went on. Sure, some specific elements of life didn't happen, right? Sporting events and other large mass gathering events did not go on. But at the same time, people had television and internet and much of life continued on the way that it was. There were some restrictions, but things happen. It's no different than, you know, when a, a hurricane comes through and, and devastates a particular area, those people's lives are disrupted, sure. But many other people will behave as though life went on. And a few years later, you know, you think about uh, Houston with Hurricane Harvey back in 2017, Three years later, the only people think who, who can remember Hurricane Harvey are the people who were impacted by it directly. The rest of the people, life went on probably a few weeks after Hurricane Harvey. In these two verses, we're seeing that Christ is describing not specifically wicked activities. Um, and even though we know that in the world there's a lot that gets um, exaggerated, there's a lot that is done to excess, there's nothing in these passages that is specifically excessive, certainly not in English. What Christ is highlighting is not so much the activities, but the attention to the time that the people who are going to be destroyed do not recognize the time. They don't know the time. They don't realize the time. Verse 31, in that day, the day of the Son of Man, right? The day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, 
he which shall be on the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Now, some of the other passages will talk about if you have your coat in the house or you're in the field and your coat's in the house, don't come back. And some of the things seem kind of simple, like, why couldn't I just grab that and get that? Because Christ, again, is not talking about the practicality of the things that he is mentioning. He's not saying, you know, if it's a little chilly and before you run, grab a coat. No, he's saying your focus needs to be on escape. Your perspective, your mental focus needs to be in a certain direction. Because if your focus is not, think about this. Think of all the stories you've seen when someone is in one part of their house and a fire breaks out or a flood comes, hurricane, some tornadoes, right? How many people run downstairs, pick up one thing and leave? People usually try to grab, if they weren't prepared in advance, they usually try to grab as many things as they can get and leave, right? It's a mindset. I'm here. Let me try and get as much because this stuff will be lost otherwise. And Christ is saying, most of the people are not going to know when this thing comes. Most of them are not going to be aware. Most, of them, and, and that doesn't mean that they weren't ever told, right? In Noah's day, everyone was told. In Lot's day, his relatives were told, and they mocked and didn't believe and behave just like they had been behaving. It's a mindset. And so now we come to this statement, remember Lot's wife. What is it about Lot's wife that we have to remember? Well, in Lot's wife's case, she actually left physically. The Bible shows that she left physically. But in her heart, in her mind, her focus, she turned back. She looked back physically and her mind was there. So while she didn't return back to pick up stuff from the house, her mind stayed there. We have to be careful. Verse 33 says, Whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Now, in other Gospels, it mentions whosoever shall lose his, sake, his life for my sake and the Gospels, the same shall find it. We are seeking a better country. We should be seeking a better country. We are seeking a better country. Oh, certainly there are things that while we're here, we want to be able to accomplish, achieve, etc. and so forth. We're not just here listlessly hanging about, lazy and so forth. We ought to be productive. But we have to be careful that we don't place the objectives of the world ahead of the objectives of God. We have to be careful that we don't place the stuff we have here ahead of the salvation of others so that we can not even, you know, I don't even want to say so we can get the stuff that God has prepared for us, so we can be where God has prepared for us. Right? Because to be totally honest, I mean, to be totally honest, if we're not going to sleep anyway, if, if night is no longer a thing that we have to be concerned about, I can get to heaven and not own anything. If I'm in heaven and no more temptation from sin, and just be with there with Jesus and the angels and all of the friends that I've had who have also accepted Christ and be with all the people that I've read about in the Bible and just who have just accepted Christ. I could own nothing, in all honesty. 
I could own nothing and be there and spend eternity just talking with people, learning about things, being there and just not having moments of weakness, not being frustrated, tired, disappointed, discouraged, pain, fatigue, none of that. Anxiety, fear, concern, none of that. Having stuff is a plus, huge plus. If we keep our minds on the stuff here, it's going to create problems for us. And in Lot's wife's case, and this is Jesus brings her up for an important reason, because she was physically moving in the right direction, but mentally she was in the wrong place. And where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we have to remember, Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities of the plains were burned by a spiritual fire. It wasn't just a physical fire. That fire and brimstone stuff that God has is a spiritual fire. It has physical impact for sure, but it is a spiritual fire. And that spiritual fire destroyed Lot's wife because her heart was there and it destroyed everything that was there. And because her heart was there, she was destroyed also. The kingdom of God starts in our hearts. No one is getting into the kingdom of God who knows all the right things, but doesn't do them or embody them or embrace them. And until we do, until the kingdom of God is within us, the kingdom of God will not be manifest outside. And I should be, more, I'll be more careful with that statement. In a collective sense, what I said is correct. In a collective sense, until the kingdom of God is within his people, the kingdom of God physically will not come. That's in a collective sense. In an individual sense, some of us may wait too long. And the kingdom of God will come, but we will not be part of that kingdom because it did not we did not allow God to establish his kingdom within us before the time came when he must bring the kingdom to us physically. Remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it, and whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. Luke 17, 32 and 33. May we be prepared to lose our life for Christ and the gospel's sake rather than to preserve our life and our stuff here at the expense of the things that God would have us to do and at the expense of setting up his kingdom in our hearts. Let's close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your mercy and your goodness to us. We thank you for your love. We invite you to be with us and to enter into our hearts and to change us from our worldliness and from our distraction and from our selfishness and from our rebellion. We pray, Lord, that you will help us, that, we, that the kingdom of God will be established in us and that it will shine out to help other people to understand that they need the kingdom of God in them before the time shall pass for any change. Please bless us. Help us to remember Lot's wife and to be uh, prepared for your soon return. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this podcast.
Remember, you can find Rightly Divide the Word of Truth wherever you normally obtain your podcasts. Please feel free to contact us via email at biblequestions at asbzone.com. Whether you have questions, comments, or concerns, we look forward to hearing from you. If you're finding this channel to be a blessing, please take the time to share our page with others. And always keep our ministry in your prayers. Until we meet again next time, may God richly bless you as you prayerfully study His Word.